Hello, podcast world. Welcome to Vicarious Living, a show about a couple Midwest dudes breaking down all the beauty that is teen drama TV. Welcome to Vicarious Living. Welcome back to the podcast, Wind and Pipes, Back at It, OC, Season 3, Episodes 23 and 24, the penultimate OC podcast. As always, you can find all these episodes on HBO Max. And before we have Pat call into this virtual podcast studio, let's do a little housekeeping. Contact information, Vicarious Living Pod at gmail.com and vicarious living podcast on instagram go there for all of our swag and very semi-professional artwork okay as pipes is dialing in gotta get the kids caught up what happened last week with a little previously on the oc Previously on the OC. So how was Berkeley? Was it amazing? Could be. I was ready for it. I'm not looking after her anymore. Treat her right. I saw Teresa at the airport. She had a baby with her. Say hi, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> He's not yours, Ryan. Eddie's the father. You want to grab a bite? You can tell me about it? Yeah, I'd like that. To Sandy Cohen, who has told me countless times how important this hospital is to him. Ouch. They say that when you grow up, you marry your father. I thought I'd escape that. All my sins, very detailed. If I ever screw up again, give that to my parents. Cohen! Anna? So you are going to Brown, you just didn't want to come with me. You're probably really confused right about now. No! Everything you've done up until now finally makes sense. Rhode Island School of Design? He'll be in the same state as Summer. Seth is going to Brown and he's dating Anna? Hey, Pat! Brian, long time to see you. What's going on? Are you ready to do the podcast? I'm totally ready. Is that a new uh, a new logo you got on your screen behind you? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking. Um, I had in my head the Talk Soup logo. As oh, in... I was going to say it looks exactly like that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I had in my head all along. Just, again, takes this podcast to the next level of professional. You know? However, However much time and money you spent on that was totally worth it. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to say what it was. No need. It's priceless. Episode 23, the party favor, or as we can just call it, prom 26 episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is the prom episode. Yeah, prom episode. Um, first and foremost, a couple things going on with the, uh, the core four. One, Marissa is going to take Volchek to prom. I just want to play a couple quick mashed up clips all woven together because up until this point, I was only like 30% sure what Volchek's first name was. But after this episode, it became very clear what his first name is. Hey, Kevin, I think there's like a snake in the shower. So do you think Kevin will like this? Kevin? So uh, Sung Ho and his cousin Dot Summer in the limo, but have you found Kevin? Uh, no, no. Let's let's look inside. How many Kevins were there? It's a, it, I think it was five Kevins. Whew. That's a lot. I. It's a lot. 
at this at this was the point episode 23 was the point where calling him volchek just completely stopped yeah he's kevin now and it's so jarring every single time it's real weird it was it was hard because i kept thinking they were talking about a different character <laughs> you, you can't just change the character's name like towards the very end of the whole season after calling him one thing the whole time it would be like like midway through Star Wars if you found out Darth Vader's actual name and they just started calling him that. Kevin? Kevin yeah. Vader? Darth Vader's name was Kevin and they just started calling him <laughs> Kevin. Well, it reminds me of uh, in Parks and Rec too when everyone, it turned out that, what was it, Jerry's first name the whole time was actually never Jerry? <laughs> And it was like Gary or something. And they just, they had so little respect for him that they just never actually called him by his actual name. And he never corrected him. Yeah, because well, he was too much of a pussy. I know. <laughs> so that's that's going on uh, with, with Marissa and Kevin. He's never been to prom. He's going to go to prom with Marissa. Seth asked Summer, um, but, they sh- but she said no because they're still going through the most annoying storyline in OC history. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Uh, and I thought uh, you guys nailed it last week with uh, just totally calling them out on intentionally trying to churn up plot lines and get some interest. That's totally what's going on. Let's pause on them for a sec. We'll, we'll come back to them uh, just to round it out. Ryan takes Teresa, which is such a, a we're, we're running low on storylines again. You know, him bringing Teresa is just like, what the fuck? Brutal. Brutal. Um, I did actually, when he asked her to prom, though, I had this thought of, I felt like I was watching like an SNL parody of a teen drama because it, it was so egregious with Ryan is clearly at this point in season three in 2006. He is clearly like a 25 year old. It, it's not even they can't even put the leather choker on him or the leather wrist guard on him and, <laughs> and make it seem like he's 16 anymore. It, it's he's 25. He's got like crow's feet around his eyes at this point. Yeah. Teresa is even more insane because I'd put her in the 35 range. Yeah. She looks like she looks like she could be playing like an executive in some corporation. Yeah, and she's a mom. Like she just looks like a thirty-five-year-old mom with a couple young kids at home. Uh huh. And and so when Ryan, the twenty-five-year-old's asking the thirty-five-year-old to prom, <laughs> to his high school prom, that's why it felt like an SNL skit. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if on set they ever had like out-of-body experiences delivering those lines, like you're just floating above your body. What is going on right now? <laughs> you can imagine us like five years ago having to like play it completely straight of asking a girl to go to prom like in life it would just you wouldn't be able to physically do it or just like any other high school like could you imagine you your age now delivering lines like your parents are punishing you for something like mom i don't want to go to my room dad i don't want to cut the grass i cut it three days ago yeah it would be like that It, it just rings so hollow yeah dude it's it's all pretty jarring. It's to the point where they need to get him out of high school. It's just, it no longer makes any physical sense for them to still be in high school. It's what it is. 
anyways, I was thinking prom, dude. 06. I totally forgot that this show synced up exactly with our high school years. Completely. We were living um, bizarro world lives on the other side of the country from these people. To the exact year. I mean, the show started, they were sophomores, we were sophomores. Ended when they were seniors, because I'm not even going to count season four as an ending. And we were seniors too. So it's pretty crazy. I was going to ask you, do you remember our prom? And are there any stories that stick out to you from prom? Mm -hmm. Fuzzy. I don't know. Do you remember who you took? Yes. And then I think we also went to Andrew H's for the after party. We had no like, we had no extravagant after party. There's no bong being passed around in the bait house. Bait shop. Just, bait shop. <laughs> bait shop. <laughs> no, I remember feeling like any other dance, except I had my braces off, which was sick. Oh yeah, dude. Perfect. Yeah. For the, for the listeners, for the kids, um, Pat here didn't get his braces off till senior year of high school, 18. So it was pretty magical. And I got him off like two weeks before prom, which was sweet. I don't know if we've told this story on the pod, but yeah, two weeks before prom, when you got your braces off, we celebrated by all going to the strip club for the first time in our lives. Yeah, we've, yeah, we were just naturals there. It felt totally normal. Yeah. Talk about one of the weirdest experiences of our lives was, uh, being there and essentially just getting ridiculed by the DJ, by the strip club DJ and all the regular patrons of Deja Vu in Cincinnati, Ohio. You don't realize it when you're in high school, but you stick out so bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I when we've gone to strip clubs for like bachelor parties and stuff, if there's a, a group of like eight and a half deep 17 and a half year olds just dudes in the back three quarter length socks and lanyards hanging out of their pocket (laughs) (laughs) yeah you stick out pretty pretty aggressively um but yeah i remember the dj just kept yelling at us and calling us out in the very back because we weren't spending any money because we had no money um (laughs) it's like listen i blew my whole budget for the week that my parents gave me on the on or to get in so (laughs) and then we literally yeah i think we all like got our money together to get enough for everyone to get pay the cover to get in and then also all scrounged the the rest of like the three dollars each we had to buy you a dance for twenty dollars because you got your braces off no doubt pretty wild Uh, all maybe pitched in an extra three dollars for a 24 pack of beer, which we crushed in the parking lot before going in. So we didn't have to buy a single drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy times. Um, I too, though, being frugal, you know, yeah, having fun on a budget. Yeah. I don't remember prom much to be honest, because it was so anticlimactic. Like you said, like I put prom more in the camp of how we view new year's to this day where it's like, there's so much hype around it. And I think how it goes for 90% of people is you just take someone you're, you kind of have a crush on or not really, or she's just in your friend crew. And so, and that's what I did. I just took someone who was, who hadn't been asked, who was in our friend group. 
there was zero chance that we were ever going to hook up. Neither of us were sexually attracted to each other at all. And then when we went to Andrew H's house at the end of the night, I don't even think I drank that night. I think I just like left her at his house to sleep there and then just drove back to the West side and went to bed. Yeah, that I that is true. And they uh, I feel like this um, this wrong true in the episode. It always did seem like kind of a scramble to find a date. Oh, yeah. And that's I'm, what they're doing. So you uh, like I don't think you and I ever had a girlfriend in high school, really. Whoa, dude. <laughs> I did for like three weeks. OK, OK, my bad. My bad. <laughs> Come on. Remember, I would strategically call her while she was at soccer practice. So I didn't have to talk to her. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so it was always like, oh, shit. Now I got to like, I guess I got to find somebody to go with. For so me, it was uh, it was making the call that was brutal there. Because, yeah, if you're not, if you don't have a girlfriend and you're going to prom and, you know, this is back before everyone was texting each other. Like we all had flip phones still. You weren't on Snapchat with everyone. You weren't texting everyone. You kind of just had their numbers. But if you ever communicated with them, it was through calling and so i just remember like going down into my basement and i had to call to ask her to prom and it just brutal dude just so fucking awkward and you're yeah, like I just... spend the first five minutes like hey what's going on um like you just you're so <laughs> stupid and idiotic and you're like i can't just get right into it i gotta i gotta ease into it so it's like yeah what's going on what what do you got going on? It's volleyball practice or yeah, just dinner at home with the parents tonight. Anyways, um, reason I'm calling after never calling you my whole life is um, you want to go to prom or whatever. Uh, yeah, always the best ones were when it was like a natural, like a friend situation. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess we'll go. And like you agree on it in person. It always was kind of horrifying when you were scrambling. You waited till the last minute and then you're just like, shit, I guess I'm just going to put somebody out by like making them have plans this night. Yeah, we just didn't have girlfriends. I think if we had girlfriends, it would be if we had girlfriends that we had never had sex with, that mm-hmm. would have been a lot of like the whole night would have been like, you know, like in the movies, like this is the yeah. night we should have had. Dude, we should have had girlfriends in high school. That would have solved everything. God, you're right. Yeah. Would have made things a lot different for us. We Next wouldn't have time. been at strip clubs the night you got your braces off. That, that's for sure. So much time at strip clubs in high school. We probably would have had girlfriends. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Back to the OC. Um, Anna is back in town. She, if you recall from last week, she's got something going on with Seth. She's helping him get into RISD. Um, She's essentially his like confidence spirit animal. She flies Mm -hmm. 12,000 miles to help him one, Mm -hmm. get summer back and two, try and get her to go to prom with him. And she's got a couple phased plan uh, to to attack this situation clip. In phase one. That, hear that, Ryan? Phase one. That suggests multiple phases. In phase one, I am going to go over to Summers right now and tell her that there is nothing going on between us. Okay. Out of curiosity, what you got for phase two? In the off chance that phase one fails, phase two, you take me to prom. I brought a dress. Yeah, I better get going. I'll call you. My initial reaction is to just go, what the fuck is going on with this whole storyline? <laughs> Why are we here? What are we doing? I, I just, it's, it's reaching insanely nonsensical levels. Even her plan 
which is phase one. I go over to Summer's house and I just tell her that we had nothing going on. That hug that we had in the airport meant nothing. And there's nothing going on between me and Seth. Plan t- phase two is you just take me to prom. That'll, that'll work. That won't make her extra mad. You take <laughs> me to prom, Anna Stern and Seth, and then that should make her super jealous. And the jealousy will get her to want you back. That's the plan. Yeah. I mean, uh, the obviously phase one of the plan should have probably worked. Uh, phase two of the plan was uh, terrible. And I feel like it's also this whole storyline feels like a reprise of the first round with Summer. As much as I like seeing her back because she's a breath of fresh air, the her helping Seth get with Summer thing is just like, we did this already. We did it. I'm, we are just repeating. We we have rinsed, we've washed, rinsed, and repeated the season one storylines. Teresa's back, Anna Stern is back, and we're doing we're going back to the same exact love triangles that we like. Had. A great character. You and I are both fans. Yeah, like I I could do a spinoff with Anna. See what she's been up to. See like what she's got going on. Just having her be like the the wingman for Seth again. It's uh. Oh, dude, I love that idea. Spin off Anna in Pittsburgh when she flew yep. back. Yep. And we just call that series. Like, what are those five rivers in, in Pittsburgh that all meet together at, at one spot? Three of them. Three? I could be wrong. I'm not huge on uh, geography, but I think one's the Ohio. Let's look, look it up because this look is going to be the name of the show. The, uh, the uh, line on Rivers is four. I'm taking the under. Dude. Yeah, you're right. Three Rivers. The Allegheny, the Ohio, and the Monongahala. Nice. I think so, dude, have- let's just call it Three Rivers. This is our teen spinoff. Three Rivers. And it Body follows... Check. Strong lead. Check. She needs... I'd like to see who her crew is. Like, who does she surround herself with? I mean, obviously, there's one bad boy who's from the wrong side of, like, the second river. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of rich people. You need some money. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's all we need, really, I think. Just that starting point. I think the rest will just naturally flow and come to our heads once we're balls deep in it. Is it like her? Maybe that's just her whole existence. Like whenever we see her with Seth, she's trying to get, help him get with girls. Maybe it's just her wingmanning random people in her high school and just never <laughs> find stuff. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't think she, I think once we followed her, she would become like the lead and it would be, she's now like the Marissa. She's kind of running the show. Like she's coming back to the Midwest dude after being in LA. And she's got all this heat around her because everyone's like, oh, my God, she's she's here from fucking California. Anyways, okay, let's go to Summer's portion of this, because this episode was one of the worst summer episodes, I think, that we've ever run into. And so for that reason, for that tough look reason for Summer Roberts, I think 
if I'm not mistaken, this will be her first time getting this award and hopefully her last, but that is the MCITW award. And it is brought to you by our fine sponsors on this podcast, Wicklow Wear, W-I-C-K-L-O-W Wear. Be free and explore. Get all your outdoor gear at wicklowwear.com. Type the promo code VL at checkout, kids. You get 10% off of your entire order, wicklowwear.com. Also go there for all of our swag situations. For me, Summer Roberts gets it for a couple of reasons. One, the whole Seth thing, it's bothering me. Neither of them will have a conversation. That's more so on Seth, but she's little to blame for that as well. So the lack of honesty bothers me. Two, who does she fucking take to this prom, dude? K-pop star. What the fuck was that? It was desperation, dude. She takes this Korean kid from Big Korea. It's a K-pop band, and... Taylor Townsend recommended her take the this guy who doesn't speak any English. And I will give I will give the OC this. They were in on K-pop early. Yeah. K-pop is like, I feel like that's still huge. Right. So props to Josh Schwartz, but points off for Summer on taking this douche. He's a total weird loser. Hated that. And then, dude, the biggest thing, the biggest reason why I got to give for this MCITW, it comes down to one thing the letter dude yeah to me with that letter situation recap real quick that letter is seth wrote out a list of all of his lies last time he fucked up like a year prior and gave it to her and he said if i fuck up ever again you can give this to my parents so then he she finds out that he is lying about all this brown stuff she puts it in an envelope and gives it to sandy cohen for me with that letter my stance is if you're at the point in your relationship where you have to give that letter, great grand gesture by Seth, love it. But if you're at the point where he's lying again and you have to give that letter to his parents, don't give the letter, just break the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, yes, I agree with you. It's also a weird move by her. I, there's nothing to gain from it. It's just like a salty, like, hey, this thing has gone south. And so I obviously want to watch this guy burn as our relationship goes down in flames. But it's like, why is that necessary? Why are we burning bridges? Just break up. And, and two things here. Like if um, I'm going to put myself in the parent shoes, I'll put myself in Sandy's loafers right now. If you're him and you get that letter, like clearly like handwritten by Seth, here are all my sins. Here's all the bad stuff I've done confessing to it and you read it and then it's just like oh okay i mean yeah I, I wish you wouldn't have done these things but it's kind of cute that he wrote them down and he's like confessing to him like he's not in trouble he's not in danger it's all good and then my eye goes to his weirdo girlfriend who gave me this letter <laughs> and i'm like all right now i don't know if we're cool because a you're a rat hmm. you're a guy and b like like all right, it's just aggressive and weird. I don't like it. Yeah. So I feel like she is the she had just as much to lose by giving this letter to Sandy as Seth did. Yeah, I just go. I know it's teen logic, but even as a teen, I feel like I would be looking at that like, what's the win here for me? Given this letter, like, there's no win. I, I don't. At the end of the day, why don't we just? break the fuck up and, and stop talking. And then, you know, I don't need to watch him burn. 
if I wrote a letter to my parents and said I smoked weed twice a junior of high school and then I gave it to them six months later, they'd be like, okay, that's good. Uh, don't do, don't do that again, please. Like, right. Where are we getting dinner tonight? Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's like a mini ground situation because Seth was not, there's not a ton on that list. That's going to be, it's not like an Atwood list. No, I mean, that would list might get dark, but uh, no, I killed I, a guy. I, the letter was a grand gesture to get back with her and assemble and just kind of like a cute thing. It's not actual, it's not something to be used. Yeah, let's not use that as like collateral or blackmail because that, that to me just, I didn't appreciate it. And for that reason, that is why Summer Roberts, you get the MCITW, be free and explore, brought to you by Wicklow Wear. Should we get a prom? Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, Taylor did a fantastic job, by the way, with this prom setup. Yeah, full points to her, dude. I mean, pirate theme. Yeah, I I really love um what she's bringing to the table. Is she still super annoying? Her voice and everything. Yeah, sure, it is. But in terms of just totally crushing, being like the most productive senior in that class at Harbor, Mm -hmm. I'd say yeah. First question I had at prom, dude. Uh, where's the fucking DJ cameo? Mm. Where mm. is it? I mean, I didn't see Usher anywhere. I mean, that's when you get like you have either a a, a band that's well known, which the OC does, or you get Usher in there. Yeah, that's a mess. DJ Khaled, what's up? Where were you in 06? Doing nothing, same as you are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the the set decoration on the pirate theme put the prom over the top, but just to give it that extra special, oh God, these kids are so much better than us. My life sucks in the Midwest. Get a celebrity at the prom. Put yeah. Um, they did have some version of a celebrity. Did you see that American Idol cameo? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have caught it because she wasn't actually famous at all. The only reason I know it is because I actually was watching American Idol at that time with my mom no big deal. Love that show, especially when Simon was on it. And there was this this girl who maybe made it into the top five or six. Her name was Lisa. I can't even remember anything about her. I didn't even recognize her face this far back. But Taylor went up to her when she walked in and she's like, hey, Lisa, what's going on? How was your experience on American Idol? And then it was this girl who clearly had no acting skills, like, oh, it's great. Yeah, super fun to be back. And then she's like, oh, okay. Well, uh, how was Simon Cowell? Like, you just throw in something like that. It's like, okay, bye. Never see you again. Cool cameo, OC. Now I remember the line from the show, but I I did not place her as actually being from American Idol. Yeah, she wasn't. Like I said, she maybe made it to like top five. She had 13 and a half minutes of fame and then disappeared. It was it, both shows are on Fox, so I get why they did it. But dude, I think at this prom, there is a guy who needs to get a Ryan Phillippe award. Mm-hmm. It's easy to sum it up. We just talk about practice. We sitting here, we're in here talking about practice. 
we talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. We talking about practice, man. Practice? I mean, how silly is that? I know. Is it the bully? Yeah. <laughs> this guy, dude. Should we just put the clip in of, of yeah, him as Taylor's cool. trying to present the prom queen? Now, uh, before I announce your pirate king and queen, I would just like to take this moment to say that it's been an honor to be your social chair this year. Just open the envelopes. <laughs> well, excuse me if I have slaved away all year just so you could have a good time. Boring! <laughs> Fine. Such a douche loser. I think he's like the bully they've brought in though multiple times throughout this series. <laughs> I I do love that character though, like the school bully who's like the biggest dork of all time. Yeah. Like the- there's no way this guy has the clout to get laughs in that context. No, I, that was so not funny. I feel like if we're all sitting there with someone who's doing that, you're just like, dude, shut the fuck up. As the kids would say, pretty cringe. Yeah, pretty cringe indeed. Uh, so that guy that guy give, gave us everything we want from a Ryan Phillippe practice hero nomination perspective. Summer wins prom queen. Uh classic okay yeah Uh, go ahead going back to your original point dipping back into her uh, mcitw award she doesn't have a date to the prom so she desperately needs to go with the cousin of taylor townsend's date to make seth jealous like as her last ditch plan big korea big korea she is the prom queen she is supposedly one of the most popular girls in the high school couldn't she just like ask out some six, four water polo guy and just crush it and just be like making set jealous like that. Where's Talon? Where's Talon? Dude. I mean, Talon in Laguna beach was always ready to sweep up whatever leftovers Steven wasn't hooking up with at that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't like that. I, Summer should have at least five guys on deck ready to go. In real life, it again, I don't understand why, how these girls are the most popular girls in the school winning prom queen and stuff because they have two or three total friends. I also don't understand why she asked K pop douche because where's talent, like you said. And then three, she gets blacked out at this prom, and the only one who brought alcohol was Kevin. <laughs> the only one that brought alcohol was Kevin Volchek and he had one flask that he had been sipping on all night. So <laughs> best case scenario, there's like two shots left in that flask that he <laughs> spikes the punch with and somehow she got blacked out. Yep. I feel like our disbelief, our belief was supposed to be suspended for a quick second there. It was brutal, dude. Again, um, Bad, bad, bad showing for Summer in this episode. But back to Kevin. Kevin also had a bad showing, but that's just par for the course for him. (laughs) He he hooks up with two other girls. Yeah, same episode. Two makeout sessions that Ryan catches both of. 
So, like, I mean, we can only assume that there was like a third or a fourth that Ryan just wasn't present for. <laughs> yeah. And what I was going to ask you is, it's, it seems a little weird. The last time we were talking, we were talking about Flask Marissa. Like, Marissa is going to a dark place. She's kind of spiraling, like acting out. And as part of that, she's like doing blow with Volchek and all this stuff. And like Volchek's going to be her boyfriend. This episode was a little weird because Marissa seems to be in a very good headspace, but she's still with Polchak, a.k.a. Kevin. Before, like, for example, before they go to prom, they're all having this really wholesome moment. Marissa is completely sober. She's been sober the whole episode. <laughs> they're all taking pictures and stuff at Sandy's house, and she's, like, trying to fold Kevin into the crew. <laughs> and this just seemed a little weird. Like, why are you with Volchak if, if you're no longer Flask Marissa? I genuinely, I know this isn't the case. I knew, I know that they knew they were going to, she was going to meet her demise at the end of this season. I think probably fairly early on into season three, like the show and all that. But to me, it seemed like they didn't make the decision to pivot into that until like the final five episodes where now they're changing her arc from being the most annoying she creates the MCITW on this podcast girl of all time into she's now reputable. She's completely turned her life around. She's potentially going to go to college. Who knows? Yeah. All this stuff. She stopped binge drinking all the time. And I feel, it feels like they're doing that to just make it at the very end. You're, you really feel like, God, she was finally turning the corner and then she, yeah. fucking, damn it. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I, how I took it. But, but yeah, they they've known all season, so I don't know why they. I mean, shit, they had to do all that Johnny Harper stuff in the beginning, and they already knew she was going to die at the end of this season. Uh, maybe yeah, that'd be a good question for Josh Schwartz. When did he know? Because it could have been like contract negotiations were happening three fourths through the season, and she decided to go bail on the show, and then they had to just do it real quick. Yeah, I just got uh, clickbaited into something uh, like four four people sent me this article um, the other day because Marissa gave this interview. I think it was with People Magazine, Misha Barton did. And the clickbait headline to get into it was like, finally, Misha Barton says why she left the OC. <laughs> it's timely, 15 years later. Um, but I clicked on it. And I read through the whole interview with people, I think it was, and I, there was nothing. There was literally nothing that she gave that was like any big aha nugget. I mean, she said she was a little annoyed after season one when, so, you know, someone like Summer was not a main build cast member. And then she got woven into the main crew and started get, getting equal pay as everyone else, even though she wasn't a part of the original main build cast. I think. I think there was all these little things like that that started annoying her. And then also she just assumed she was going to go off and be like a huge movie star. Yeah, and I think she, she was going to like Johnny Depp it from 21 Jump Street into super fame. Yeah, and she just never did. Um, but yeah, I just thought, I th I thought this was a little weird. It didn't, uh, it was just, it was odd to me. It, it kind of clashed. Um, her being with Volchek, who's clearly just the biggest dickhead of all time. And Marissa seems to be like not dark anymore and really clear head and just kind of cool with it. And I was like, who goes from being with the bad guy and Luke at the time, he was like a bad boyfriend to being with Ryan. Who's like 
really good hearted, really good boyfriend, good for her. And then back to another bad guy. After you would see the light with, oh, this is what an actual uh, <laughs> cool person's like. I don't want to go back to a bad person, but she does. Yeah, the only thing I can think, and we're going to see this as a big time theme in the next episode uh, specifically, but I think a lot of people are at a crossroads in their life and okay. they're they're starting to take for the first time in their life another road. Like they usually go down path to the left, but now when they re- reach that crossroads, they're starting to go more to the right as they get older. Sandy, Ryan, and Marissa. And I think what's happening with Marissa, she's at that crossroads. Dude, I see a cicada climbing up my fucking window right now. Yeah. They're coming. Mm-hmm. Mm. God, that thing is massive. Um, anyways, so I think with Marissa, she's at that crossroads and dude, it takes a little while, you know, you're still getting sucked into the normal way that you would go down the left path. You know, you, you, you got this, you know, tug of war happening, but I think she's trying to like get out of it. It just doesn't happen overnight. You know, you think the numerous that we're starting to see bloom in this episode, um, would not take Kevin back after catching him red handed cheating with her. Yeah, and let's play that clip because that was a fire clip when she caught him at prom. Why? What did you expect, huh? I mean, did you think you were going to just dress up your bad boy, take him to your little rich kid's party so your friends can see how cool you are? You know it's not like that. please. You just wanted to turn me into a little bitch boy like him. (laughs) You're nothing like him. Clearly, I was wrong about you. Finally, you're learning... Great line by Kevin. He goes, you trying to turn me into this little bitch boy? (laughs) Points at Ryan. It was his his defense of himself getting completely caught red-handed in the moment was amazing. Yeah. He launched right into just full aggression back at her. Yeah. There There is not an apology at all. It was like, that's how you do it. You don't take a step back. No, no. Lean into it. Um, Same as we're psychoanalyzing Marissa, as we're psychoanalyzing Kevin. Would we say that Kevin is essentially just trying, he finally has something really good in his life and he's just trying to sabotage it because it it seems so foreign to him and he doesn't like how good it makes him feel? I mean, that's almost giving Kevin a little too much credit. I think he's just a complete moron. I think he, what he said was true. Like, you know, at, at first it was cool. I'm corrupting the good girl. And then he started to see the worm turn and be like, Oh wait, I think the good girl that I'm trying to corrupt, like that was a fun game. I think what's happening is I'm the mark now. And she's trying to turn me the bad boy into this little like buttoned up, you know, little bitch boy. Yeah. Cause I, when he was tying his tie and stuff for prom, you could tell he just, he was a fish out of water. He did not like. He's like, uh, he's like, I don't, I don't know how to tie a tie that makes me feel bad. Fuck it, I just don't wear a tie. Well, and and it's interesting the dichotomy between Ryan and Volchek because Ryan, when he was going to Cotillion for the first time, he had Sandy there to when he couldn't tie his tie from the wrong side of the tracks. Obviously, dude, on the wrong side of the tracks, you're not getting taught how to tie ties. That's low Nobody on the list of priorities. Tracks. Um. 
he had a family to have his back and help him along the way. Volchek's still trying to go at this alone, and it's just he doesn't have the support system to fully transition over. Do you think Sandy, in the right hands, in Sandy's hands, do you think he could have molded Volchek into a decent man? Or is he... Is that too big of a project, even for Sandy? No, I think Sandy gets a hold of Kevin at the right age, you know, like a year or two prior, like like they got a hold of Ryan right at 15, the ripe age of 15 and a half. It's <laughs> on a creamy. <laughs> uh, you, ca- you catch a, a Kevin Volchek at 15 and a half like they caught a Ryan Atwood. Dude, I think there's still some time. But by the yeah. time you're a seasoned veteran and you're, you know, all of, you know, 18 in two right. quarters. By the time you have your eyebrow pierced, it's probably too late. Yeah, that might be the sign that it's over. And you're, uh, also, by the way, just real quick, I uh, it was so funny when he originally was at prom and decided to bail. And he's like, I'm going to go out and smoke some kush. <laughs> yeah, I, <love> <laughs> I think I repeated that multiple times. Smoke some kush. Smoke some fucking kush. Seth, at the end of this episode, finally tells Summer the truth. Yep. And uh, who knew, dude? Who knew that you just tell the fucking truth one time and guess what solves all of the issues? The truth every single time. Within 13.7 seconds, a blacked out Summer completely forgave all of his lying and transgressions. Which we knew would happen the entire time. I mean, yikes. It's brutal. I'm just, okay, so it's over. That storyline is over now, Seth lying. Thank God, because it was making me at the very end of our OC journey, like, hate the fuck out of Seth Cohen. It's Uh so brutal. Realistic moment, though, um, like having him finally come out to her with that while she was that drunk. And most of these, most of the moments in OC are like, there's music playing, they're at a cliffside it's all this like epic stuff and this was just like okay she's uh she's blacked out she might not even remember this i'm just gonna come clean because fuck it yeah yeah i mean that was a little more true to be honest i mean how many more truths come out or at least like you get the courage to come out and say something yeah uh, a little bit more sloppy than most of the oc portrays it but this kind of felt this this felt nice and true yeah so that's finally done with big time ending scene to this episode though. Uh Volchek at prom, he he was knocking a lot out. He was efficient at this prom, dude. He hooked up with another girl, he smoked some kush, he yeah. totally blew off his girlfriend Marissa, got slapped in the face, and still found time to go steal all of Taylor Townsend's money that she's gathered for the bait shop or you as you like to call it the bait house after party <laughs> very productive night yeah he really he really <laughs> killed a lot of birds with one stone one kevin stone um ryan shows up to his place dude his his lair oh yeah his evil villain red lighted lair <laughs> And uh, Ryan's like, hey, give me the money, bitch. He goes in, fucking takes the money. And then as Ryan's walking out, because you know Volchek, all he wants to do is fucking fight. And Volchek, as Ryan's walking out, taking the money back, whispers this into his ear. At least now, 
You and I can settle this. Uh, I'm not here to fight you. Sure you are. Otherwise, you'd have called the police. Come on. You know you're dying to. Just give in. All right, all right, all right. I get it. It's about the money. But tell me this. A week from now, if I wanted to, I could have her on her back on that mattress. Now, how does that make you feel? If I wanted to, I would have her on her back tonight. And Ryan's like, yeah, that's probably true. She's pretty good. <laughs> right. With you. That's, that's true. Although what we're saying is she maybe she's taking a better path and she would not. Who knows? I think the reason why Ryan finally gave in and just beat the fuck out of Volchek was because of how true that rung. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know it. <laughs> but dude nothing gets an atwood in fighting mode more than you you doing something to his girl or saying don't, something don't don't do it to marissa it, it was weird um i i started to come to developing a theory during this scene in particular like when Volchek ryan shows up at the door doesn't call the police obviously um Volchek, answers it almost like he's expecting him to show up and then he says the line like you must think i'm dumb like stealing the money or messing things up with marissa stealing the money and everybody knew i would do it blah 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 and it's like i think volchek maybe has a crush on ryan and he's out in ways to to get these these intimate encounters to happen with him is there for sure a little sexual tension between Ryan and Kevin? No doubt. Yeah. I, I'm not going to deny that, that. But dude, there is a razor thin line between wanting to fuck the shit out of a dude and wanting to beat the living daylights out of him. And that's where we're living right now. I mean, right. yeah, we're, we're fucking like t- towing this line, dude. We're teetering back and forth between these two guys are going to touch peepees or they're going to lock horns. Yeah. They're, they're touching for sure. Is it going to be a hard touch or a soft touch? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm shocked when this beatdown just went, took place because he ripped on Ryan's girl. I'm yep. shocked that they didn't just start, that they didn't get completely naked and do the fight like school, school tie style in the shower, all naked and such, but playing tummy sticks. <laughs> um so ryan beats the absolute shit out of him in the scene it was awesome well if you notice what happened was they really these last two episodes the drama between ryan and volchek they're really tying it to his ptsd with his brother trey yeah with uh he had the volchek had the uh ashtray about to smash down on ryan's head yeah a la end of season two when trey had the phone picked up put it over his head and he was about to crush it down on ryan's skull and this time though instead of ryan getting saved by marissa shooting his brother ryan just fully flipped him over and then beat him to within an inch of his life yep that was a whole lot of heat coming out of him at trey versus volchek yeah that he was beating trey up a a second time there i think yeah did Notice that Volchek's red lighting in his apartment turned blue as soon as he got his ass pounded in? No. 
it was like Ryan beat the evil essence out of him, you know? Damn. The evil radio rating off of Volchek as well as causing the, his uh, whole aesthetic in his apartment to be red. And as soon as kind of the lights went out in his mind, it's blue. Damn. That's a whole lot of me san san going on right there. By the way, how funny would it be instead of uh, flipping it over and punching him in the head like 10 times until he passed out and started convulsing? If right when he raised up the ashtray, Marissa just stood in the doorway, got <laughs> what you say to the fuck out of him again. What you say that you only meant well, well, cause you did Ooh, what, what you, you say. say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Song transition into episode 24, The Man of the Year. great song this song by the way is also in guardians of the galaxy so you know it's good uh beginning of this episode kicks off right where we left off ryan has got to take volchek to the hospital to make sure he didn't just kill a guy he doesn't have to but he does yeah um let's let's pause on them let's jump real quick at the beginning of this episode to uh Let's just knock out Marissa's whole storyline with Caitlin in under two and a half Challenges. minutes. I, what do you want to say about it? Because I honestly don't care about it. Uh, here it is. Before Marissa dies, spoiler alert, they want to uh, kind of squeeze every little bit of juice out of all of her relationships. So she has to rekindle with the sister a little bit. And maybe we're also setting up that the sister's a little bit more involved in future episodes. So... Uh, she gets in some trouble at school. Uh, they need to steal something back from some popular guy at her college. Trevor. Trevor. Uh, so Marissa goes up to help her out of this jam. Uh, Trevor has it in his apartment, so they need his keys. Marissa does this weird schoolgirl thing where she acts like she's a stripper, ties Trevor up, takes his jean pants off, gets the keys, and they... <laughs> get whatever they needed to get out of his apartment problem solved marissa and her sister have like a, a nice little bond again and we're good yeah so basically great recap all we need out of that is caitlin cooper is don't forget about her because next season she is going to be essentially filling marissa's spot without that um caitlin's friend is now super famous <laughs> I did write that down. That's one of my two only thoughts from the whole Marissa storyline at uh, boarding school was Caitlin Cooper's roommate, a.k.a. Lucy Hale, who is the lead in Pretty Little Liars. Aria. Yes. And dude, she is 
a smoke show. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really need Marissa for the whole plan to work. It, it didn't. They didn't at <laughs> all. But yeah, Lucy Hale is just goddamn. Is she really, really attractive? Uh, second one though, Lucy Hale actually had a super aware clip that I thought was very relevant to the conversation we were having at the beginning of this pod about how these storylines are all repeating. Clip. You can't do this to yourself every time you get the ratings. It's my dad. You know the Valley. That's a show. <laughs> what do you expect when you beat the same love triangle on the ground for three years? Who are you? Oh, uh, Marissa. Caitlin's sister. Uh, look, I give the OC this. They're a product of their environment and the times. They probably didn't want to have to repeat storylines and do 25 episodes a season. But it was 2006 and it was a network TV show and you had to do that. So m- at minimum, I, I do really enjoy that the OC has always been very self-aware and they've always been like in on the joke. A lot, especially in these last couple episodes, a lot of lines like that. I always appreciate them. Yeah, they're in on it. I love it. Okay, let's do um, let's do some Sandy Kirsten Man of the Year drama. Yep. Sandy is full on into Caleb Nickel 2.0 mode. Yeah, evil businessman, um, wheeling and dealing, all that shit. He's he's ruining lives. He's uh, essentially become everything that he's always wanted to avoid uh, living in the county of Orange. And now he's running into a problem because the D.A. is going to take down this big hospital deal that he's got working. I understand it correctly. It's basically Sandy's in business with the head of the hospital. And the head of the hospital is just into all this corrupt stuff that Sandy kind of knows about, but is choosing to like ignore and not like call out. So he's basically complicit with all those doings. Yeah. Not that Sandy's doing them himself, but like he's going to benefit from whatever sketchy stuff is going on. Yeah. He's turning a blind eye in the past. Sandy would never turn a blind eye. I mean, he's always going to, he's the moral compass of the show. Um, Sandy for the first time is turning blind eyes to corrupt evil activity that's going down again whole bunch of racketeering I kind of <laughs> love that racketeering um, I have yeah. Kevin, um, that you know you're, you've arrived when you have a safe in your office behind a picture frame mm. wall yep. which Sandy full on has and he's keeping some secret documents probably a gun and a little cash damn it I really need to get a safe like that. Right. At some point in my life, I really hope to have a safe built into the wall and I'll hang a picture there. I'm not going to tell you which picture it is. So you can't break in my safe, but just know you have it. I have it. Yeah, that is a good, good sign. That's a perfect sign of if, if you've really made it in life. Um, and, and I would like to think that that safe is one of those that it's got like the, the thing that you got to turn, you know, like the, yeah. it turns the vault. Like you can't press a button. You can't press like do, do, do five, two, one, one, 17, 11. No, it's gotta be like, you got to turn some knobs and stuff. Yeah. You need knobs and you need at least, you definitely need a gun in there. Mm-hmm. You need documents in a manila envelope and you need at least 50 grand in really clean cash dollar bills and a bunch of passports. Really? Yeah. 
you can't have just like your passport and you know your wife and kids passport you need to have like seven all of you different names different countries that you're from and then you have a gun and some other stuff it's probably some evidence and like some blackmail against like at least five other really rich people <laughs> yeah the blackmail for sure uh okay so Sandy's got a that crossroads that we were talking about. Sandy's got that in this episode where he's essentially got a DA is going to take down the hospital. So it's like, Sandy, you either go down this path to the left, and that is the path uh, of continuing to lie about this and fight it, and then you're going to get fucked. Same with this hospital guy, and you get no hospital. Or you go down the path to the right, which is you going back to your, your high ground morals and essentially just ratting this guy out completely and (laughs) absolutely so you don't have to take the fall i don't even know why this is a hard decision (laughs) but yeah the da is basically like yeah we're onto this guy he's doing a bunch of illegal shit we're starting our investigation um do you want to help us or just go down with him and sandy staring down the barrel of that uh fork in the road just like yeah i'll go to the one where i'm not in jail dude why do i keep calling it a crossroads and not a fork in the road I totally meant fork in the road. Mm, I don't know. Maybe you, you've got like a blues sensibility or something. I mean, but you know what I meant when I said crossroads. I have meant fork in the road. Well, if you come to a crossroads, really, you've got three options. So maybe it's just that a fork in the roads, too. Well, I, yeah, I meant to. So I should have said fork. Fuck it. I'm not going to go back and edit that. So I just know I meant fork in the road. Uh, these people have two options. That's what's been in my head. They've got two options, two paths that they can take. Um, okay, real quick. One of my favorite moments always in the OC is when there's these. Uh, dad, why don't you come in here for a second? Take a seat. Let me talk to you, dad. <laughs> and that happened with uh, again with Seth and Sandy in uh Sandy gets that letter from Summer that we were talking about. All uh-huh. Seth lies. Fucking bullshit. Yep. Yep. Seth knows all this shit's going down with his dad and that it's actually leading to his mom to start drinking again. So Seth has shit on his dad and Sandy now has shit on his son. And they finally come together and this clip happens. I want to talk to you. Good. I want to talk to you. I love you. And I'm worried about you. Right back at you. You smoke pot in the home. Would you rather I do it somewhere else, like my college dorm? That would require you getting into college. Do you think it's such a great idea, me going away to college when mom's been drinking again? What are you talking about? Maybe if you paid attention to anything other than that stupid hospital, you notice mom's been passing out before dinner. I'll talk to your father like that. That would require you to act like my father. (laughs) Seth is so good at this move. He's perfected it. I mean, Sandy's just standing over with his jockstrap in his hands. He doesn't know what to do. He has no no even attempt at a comeback. I mean, this is where, again, we're not... I, I just, I don't know how you don't come back to your son and just say, hey... I'm the dad. I don't give a fuck what shit you have on me. Backhand. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dude, this is 
uh, we've already done this role play before this exact one, but we can do it real quick again. If uh, I'll be, I'll be saying it and you'd be Seth. Okay. Hey Seth, uh, I got this. Uh, I found this letter of all these evil deeds. Uh, you're smoking weed and you're doing all this lying. You're like in big time trouble, mister. Hey dad. Fantastic. Awesome. Great that you found that. But you know what? Why don't you come up to my room for a second? Can't you come up? Come on, come on up here. Okay. Come on in. We now we now scene is in. We're in the room. Uh, okay. Dad, I'm gonna sit over here. Why don't you sit on my bed for a second? Can you sit down on my bed, Dad? And, and by the way, when you when you walk in, can you shut the door behind you, please? Door is shut. I'm sitting on the bed. Go on, son. Dad, there comes a point in every young man's life where inevitably he's gonna smoke three to five pre-rolled joints that his friend's younger sister gave to him. Okay. Yeah, naturally. Okay. Dad, does that make sense? It does. I'm with you. Now I get it. What you're doing out there by reading that letter, you're trying to embarrass me. I'm not going to be here for it. And I also know that the whole reason that you're doing this is because deep down, you know, that there's some fucked up shit going on inside of you and with your marriage. And I honestly feel like you're taking all this letter stuff out on me because you're really unhappy with your own situation going on in your own life. Isn't that right, dad? Um, yeah, that may be right, but I understand you are no longer going to Brown. Your plan is to go to RISD for school. That is a, a decision that I made, but again, has nothing to do with you. I, and I think that you're taking Let me all- catch you off there. Okay. <laughs> um, but you made that decision and uh, now you'll have to decide how to pay for it because I'm absolutely paying zero dollars for your college. Have a good night. I'll see you tomorrow. Hold on real quick before you leave, dad. I just want to ask. No, we're done. We're no, hold on, dad. Real quick. I want to ask, <laughs> um, is the reason, dad, that you're no longer going to pay for my college experience and fund my super expensive Ivy League education or this super crazy art school that's probably over 100K, is the reason why you're doing that about me or is that more about you? Uh, either way, I don't care. <laughs> matter i'm just giving you absolutely no money and you might have to somehow scramble together a couple grand buy a car and drive across country because i'm not paying for plane tickets either okay now that sort of discipline makes sense in my 17 and a half year old head (laughs) i'll fuck off (laughs) it's like seth you have absolutely no power in this family dynamic what are you doing but some masters it he is he's awesome (laughs) It's just because the show is told from the perspective of the kids. Like in your head, you're like, my dad's being a real fucking dickwad. So this is why I'm going to have to own this situation. But yeah, in real life, it just, it would never go that way. I think if, if your son is saying that to you, you failed as a dad, (laughs) you have set no boundaries your whole life. There's been you failed as a father because you've not set any boundaries. There's no discipline. There's no guardrails that you've given. And you are just letting your kids walk all over you in more ways than one. So I think Sandy as a father has failed. All right. Um, Volchek and Ryan. Lover. Lovers. He's outfoxed him. Props to Kevin. Props to Kevin. His whole thing is like, look. You beat my ass. I'll tell the cop. I got nothing to lose, bitch. You've got everything to lose. So 
I could go to the cops and tell them that you beat my ass, charge you with assault, and guess who's now not going to get into Berkeley and all the other stuff you want to do with your life? You. So what he does is he makes Ryan become like a part of this plan to like steal a car, essentially. Terrible plan. Terrible. It's like Here's the thing. In these scenarios where somebody pulls you into the into the plan like he pulls ryan into like all right you're gonna be my driver i'm gonna do a thing i'm dropping off some money and picking up a package i get it like you're blackmailing him to be your second or your fall guy or whatever the hell you need somebody in your crew like if i agree to it i need full details of the plan or you know or we're not going to be a good team don't worry about him (laughs) it would be so frustrating (laughs) If I'm Ryan, like, I'm like, all right, I'll help you out. I just, let's put together a decent plan. I don't trust you. You're a fucking moron. Let's do this. You don't need to know that, those details right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, it, it's so true. Uh, they always just go along with it. The, the veil that has been shown to Ryan in terms of like why they're doing it, which is because it's in his neighborhood. They need to be driving his Range Rover so that, you know, Volchek's creepy rape van is not, it's too, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. So True. they that's why they need Ryan as the wheel man uh, to steal the car in his neighborhood kind of thing. But then, dude, again, back to the PTSD with Trey. If you go back to the pilot of season one, not only is the situation the exact same of his brother is stealing a car while Ryan is like standing there thinking like, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. And then even the exact words that Volchek says, as Trey said, happened clip. All right, let's go. Where is it? You're looking at it. At the car? You gotta be kidding me. 120 G's is no joke. No, no. No way, man. I'm not doing that. Too late. This time I'll use the correct terminology. Ryan's at a fork in the road. Theme of this whole episode. He could go down the path to the left, which is what he's done his whole life. And that's get in the car with Trey and both of you are fucked. Or that fork splits right. He goes right. He doesn't get into that car. He bails. Volchek gets caught, obviously, and arrested, and Ryan's nowhere nowhere to be found. <laughs> Smart. Ryan doesn't get in trouble. Um, Volchek's plan is just so bad, by the way. like I guess the whole conceit of this robbery was he has the keys for this car, and so he's just going to sneak in the garage and open the car with the keys and drive away real smooth-like. Whatever happens, the keys do not work. So now... He's essentially <laughs> the plan to steal this car. It could just be any single car in the city. I'm just going to walk into someone's garage, smash the window of a Mercedes and try and drive away with it. The plan is so bad. Is he going to hotwire it? He did hotwire it. Damn. Once he smashed it, he hotwired it. But it's it's bad planning, dude. It's It's bad planning. Kevin didn't think this one through. <laughs> no. <laughs> once again if i'm ryan i need the plan yeah i need i just need to know that there is a plan yeah it doesn't even have to be good i just need to know that there is one and it turns out that there wasn't even a plan <laughs> at all 
Okay, final scene of this episode. Man of the Year Party for Sandy Cohen, a.k.a. Caleb Nickel 2.0. Beginning of this, we see Seth smokes a pre-roll joint in Sandy's office before the Man of the Year Party. That will come back. Sandy at the party. He gets up to give his speech for Man of the Year. Caleb won this award like 50 times throughout his life. Gets up there. Sandy rejects it, dude. He's like, it's time for me to write this fucking Sandy Cohen ship. And he gets up there. He rejects the award. He agrees to partner with the DA to take down the evil hospital guy that he's been racketeering amok with. And he steps down from the Newport group officially. So he is no longer in the the Caleb Nickel role. Love it. So he's right in the ship. And he finally finding his, uh, his compass again. Yeah. I mean, it only took him ruining his entire life, his wife's life, his son's life, everyone's lives. But he did it, and then the episode ends with Sandy, uh, or sorry, Seth getting arrested because he inadvertently burned down <laughs> his dad's office. Yeah, some very quick investigative work by the fire department and the police. Yeah. They nailed him about 45 minutes after the fire started. Yeah. But, you know, on, on Sandy, real quick. Because I'm sure in the finale, we're going to get a lot more on Seth and that whole thing with how it plays out with him burning down the building. But um, with Sandy, it was interesting because I think same with Marissa and Ryan at the, the, the forks in the road. I feel like Sandy took the correct fork, like legitimately at the most perfect right time. Because had he kept going on that path, what killed him, dude? Would have killed him same as it killed Caleb Nickel. Yep. All right, dude. Any other thoughts for you or you want to wrap it with your MVP? Um, I'll wrap it. You know who is going to get my MVP of these episodes? She was not in the second, but it's going to be Anna Stern for her work in the first episode. She came in, had, you know what? Was it because of phase three that she didn't even mention? Wait till summer gets blacked out and then have Seth just tell the truth. Yeah. That's what she said at the very end of the night of, uh, you know what? I always knew phase one and phase two are never going to (laughs) work. I was waiting on phase three, but I knew you had to come to the conclusion on your own. (laughs) Yeah, That's what you do when both of your first two plans fail. Um, I, I mean, I just like seeing her. She's a great character. Um, so selfless, you know? Yeah, dude, she uh, really does not give a shit about anything going on in her own life. She is just fully out there for others. Yeah, and I really thought it was some great acting work between her and Seth to make it clear to the audience that there there was no funny business going on with them anymore. They had like a fondness, but it wasn't like a flirt or anything. It was almost like they had fully graduated into this like brother and sister relationship that they have. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think we all felt that way. Like even when she left in season one, there was a feeling of like that was never going to work. It was always going to be summer with him. And, and I think he was more so upset that she was leaving, mainly because they had so much in common and she was like legitimately his best friend. Yeah, I, I wonder why they got rid of her. 
Like, because, like, they got the Taylor Townsend as kind of like the fifth banana. I wonder if Anna would have just been too good as the fifth banana of the crew. Like, you just be like, why don't they just hang out with her more? I don't know. This was a recurring theme in the OC of, of anytime any of the, the people came in and had like a, a four or five episode story arc they always shipped them out. Like it wasn't like, Hey, they just stopped hanging out with this person. It was like, they, they had to move cross country. I mean, you think of Luke who had to move to Portland. You got to think of, uh, uh, Oliver who had to move wherever his parents were. Anna had to move back to Pittsburgh. They're just constantly always shipping people out. You know, even remember, uh, Alex, when she, when her and Marissa broke up, obviously she couldn't stay in the County of orange. Right. If you if you take a pass at one of the core four and it doesn't stick, you got to hit the bricks. Yeah, get out of the county. You can go to. You can still live in California. You just can't be in the county of Orange. Right. That's it. All right, dude. Anna Stern gets it. There's only one pod left for the OC. The ultimate final. Everything crescendos. Everything comes to an end. Because obviously we would never act like season four actually existed. Correct. So we're going to act like the series ended where it should have at the end of season three. That'll be next. But for tonight, kids, thanks for coming on this journey with us. Get tucked in. Have a really good night's sleep. And Pat, what do we tell those kids? Clear eyes, full hearts. Do less, kids. Do way less. You can follow us on Instagram at Vicarious Living Podcast and listen to all of our episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You know you found us when you find a picture of Pat and I sitting on a couple rocks overlooking the vast landscape that is Laguna Beach. Steven's there, just not pictured. Steven and Elsie, both there, just not pictured. <laughs>